Welcome to the PRISM Education Center podcast. PRISM Education Center is a K-12 school committed to building principled leaders through sound values, solid culture, and strong community. PRISM Education Center is a Northgate school, and this is our podcast. All right. Well, welcome to the PRISM podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about technology issues and particularly the technology issues that our young men are facing in this day and age. We're going to, um, as we've, we've been talking about uh, technology for about three weeks now, and this is our last in, in our series, where we know that girls have issues with technology and there are certain things that are kind of more of a challenge for girls to navigate than boys. And today we're going to, we've already talked about that. Today we're going to talk about things that might be more of a challenge for young men to navigate and for us as parents to navigate with them as we seek to protect them. I have three uh, super dads in the, in the, on the podcast with me today. I'm going to introduce them. Um, Actually, I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves. So Seth, why don't you start us off? Yeah, my name is Seth Haynes and I have four boys at PRISM and um, yeah, they're, they're pretty much all connected and all in technology to some degree or another. All right. Ty. Yeah, I'm uh, Tyrell Dennison. I'm a proud parent of three PRISM scholars. I've got two boys and a girl. And Marcus Hankerson. Hi, I'm Marcus Hankerson, and I have uh, three students that attend PRISM, uh, two boys and one girl. All right, and we span in this group a couple of different states. So we're, that's, that's always fun and several different ages. So we've got, I think that we've got kids represented in this group from preschool all the way up to high school. And so it's a, it's a nice broad range and, and gives us a lot of, a lot of room to, to have a good discussion. So guys, as fathers looking at your sons and just kind of knowing um, how, how the world is, is, fa- is you know, constructed and the technological world is built, what are some of the concerns you have and the things that you want to monitor and, and, and protect your sons from or help your sons navigate? So, yeah, I think for me, um, I think of three things. Um, I think of the way my sons um, are going to be primed towards and targeted with sexual messages, um, whether that's through pornography or, or otherwise. Um, I think of the issues about politics and the divisiveness of politics and how uh, social media and the Internet sort of drives that divisiveness into all of us, including our kids who are not um, not, you know, unsusceptible to that. And just in general views of consumption uh, about the ways we consume entertainment, the ways that we consume other people, the ways that we consume political content. I think these are the things to me that, um, you know, that Amber and I talk about with our sons a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that you summed up a whole lot of what, of, of what we're, we're concerned with. Anything else, Ty or Marcus that y'all would like to add? Uh, Yeah, I I definitely echo Seth's concerns. And then um, just a proper understanding of what the internet quote unquote is, what technology is and how it's to be used. Because I know in the mind of my children, it is just a limitless entertainment slash toy and it's so much more than that, both for good and for bad. Right. And so a proper right. understanding of the tool that is technology is something that I, yeah. I, my wife and I work to instill in them. Yeah, yeah, I would echo both of them there and uh, just, just add that, 
um, just the it, how it can just entrap you, right, and and turn mm-hmm. you inward into some kind of isolation. And that's one of the things that I, I think about when you ask that question. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really good because I think that you know as parents. Right now, I would say probably the thing that I hear from parents the most is that they're concerned about pornography. That's the thing that they're concerned about the most. But really, you know, that is that is definitely a concern. It it seems to be more of a concern for boys than girls. It's not limited to just young men. Um, and, and I don't think the solution is to just block their access to it. I think that really you're, we are going to talk about boundaries. We're going to talk about specific, get like nitty gritty concrete tools that you use in your home to block things. But there's a whole aspect of this that has nothing that your boys will one day be outside of your, your sons, my sons, all of our sons, whether it's when they're 18 and they're out of our house or whether it's when they spend the night at a friend's house that doesn't have the same technology. This stuff is, it is targeting young men. It will find them and they have to have something that helps them resist it that goes beyond just a, a physical, you know, boundary or a blocker on the Internet. Yeah, so Misty, you're, you're, you're right on there. I, I kind of think of the two, the two places you can end up. One is where you're protecting your son from accidental exposure. There's, there's a place where – and that's where tools are right. really handy. I know – um, the, some of the stuff we use is there and, and it's there to prevent stuff that's seeking out, um, right. an audience versus on the other side, when you get to a point where that there's a pursuit of it. Um, and when that happens, it's a different situation and then putting, using blocking tools and things of that nature just produces a game of cat and mouse. Um, and so you need to like, there, there requires a conversation about the intimacy that you spoke of, of the purity mm-hmm. and, and getting that kind of stuff out in the open and being right. connected when that isolation kicks in, when shame for having done something right. inadvertently or intentionally produces isolation and breaks off that connection. That's where you have to reach in and be deliberate to build and pull that, pull that young man out and, and bring them back in and make them, make them feel still included and correct and, and, and help equip them to make the right choice going forward as opposed to just putting up digital walls. And I think that that's a big part of building homes that are resilient and building young men that are resilient is sexual issues aside, building a home that has, that fosters intimate connections with each other, healthy, intimate connections, healthy openness with each other, healthy conversations, and a real strong sense that I am loved and connected. And not to say that if our sons look at pornography, we failed in that way, but to say, this is one of the tools that we want to build. And it helps if they end up coming into contact with it, it's going to be a tool that allows them to come back out. But it also, I think, is a protective factor. I think it's both. I think it's both a tool to help them communicate when they have come into contact with it, but it's also a tool to help them diminish that need to seek it out. Yeah, if I can jump in, I think that's key in terms of building a, a home structure, right, that allows there to be openness in, in those type of discussions. And I find that, you, and you had mentioned just now, Misty, that it's, it's harder for, for males, right? Boys and even men sometimes to kind of come out and have these conversations or be open. And it's an issue of, I know sometimes we may not want to touch that, right? Because we're like, well, they, they right. never, 
experience that. They haven't seen that yet. Let's not touch it. Right. And that can be a little dangerous because you, we don't want these things to be taboo. Right. We want to hit them on the onset and right. teach them early on how to how to go through these things, because once they right. once it's touched them, now you're playing. Now you're being reactive. And not to say that that's a, it's, you can still do it, right? You can still build them in a healthy way after that, but it just, it takes a little bit longer and you have to go through a little more things. So I think um, uh, building that structure in the beginning, not making it taboo, but really having these conversations, taking each opportunity to uh, discuss these things with boys at the appropriate level, right? I'm not going to talk right. to a seven-year-old boy about something I talked to a 14-year-old boy about. Um, so right. keeping it appropriate, but but being able to touch these issues uh, about pornography and, and, and sexuality in those areas. Yeah. And to, I think from my perspective to add to that, um, you know, the way I was raised was, you know, there was zero was naivety. Uh, and then once your eyes are open, your, your parents went from my parents went from the sort of zero to a 10, you know, like it's all guilt and shame and. Uh, you right. know, what are you doing and all of this? Um, and, and part of that, I, you know, I was, you know, very uh, early on in the Internet. Right. So um, I was. You know, yeah, our parents didn't know. They what had no idea. Right? Like, <laughs> I had access to things I shouldn't have had access to and they couldn't yeah. have dreamed of. And so, right. um, you know, people my age, kids my age, men my age, um, we often experienced that from like zero to 10. You know, there was one day mm -hmm. there was nothing and then the next day it's all shame and guilt. And, um, and, and looking at the way I raise my own kids, I want to provide a different take on that. I don't want my kids to yeah. fall into pornography use or into these other things that I talked about. Um, but instead, we we want and we act. We we actively try to curate uh, the, that sort of intimacy that you're talking about, about being known and about being loved and about being connected and saying, you know, hey, if this happens, if you stumble across this, if you seek it out, uh, you know, no matter what the situation is, you can talk to us about it. We're going to have some really serious conversations about it. We're not going to shame you. We're not going to throw you into guilt, but we are going to talk about what it means um, uh, to live a different sort of life uh, that mm -hmm. the rest of the world perhaps would live. Um, and we're going to love you unconditionally and we're going to remain connected to you unconditionally. Um, and we're going to, you know, know the things that you struggle with and we're going to let you into our lives too and, and share the, share our own struggles so that we can erase that sort of guilt and shame uh, mechanism mm -hmm. that often blocks real intimacy. And I think that's really important. Like what y'all are talking about is having a space where your kids can come and talk to you about things. And even though you don't necessarily want to talk to a seven-year-old about pornography, you better have that space right. being built in your home. And so you don't have to talk about uh, these taboo subjects, but you do need to talk about what you need to have a space in your home where, where your kids can, and I think can come. And I think that there's a lot of challenges to that in modern busyness. I think it's like just straight up a challenge to having a space in your home, noise, constant noise in the background, the constant need to have entertainment on both for parents and for, for children. And I think these are just real practical things that have zero to do with pornography and zero to do with, you know, um, whatever else, excessive gaming or political issues. Actually, they probably do have something to do with those things. That's part of the noise. Um, but it's just having a space where 
uh, I think it's so important as families to build a space where kids can sit around and, and talk about things. And um, we've, you know, for us, that space has always been the dinner table and the time right after. So we eat as much as possible. We eat meals together. And then we try to just kind of slow it down afterwards. And we don't do that seven nights a week, but we do it many nights a week, you know, three or four nights a week and just have that space in our living room after we've cleaned up and and just sit around and talk. We don't have to run off to do work. We don't have to run off to engage in hobbies. And we, we really try to diminish that tendency to just turn on the TV and, you know, not that we never watch TV at our home. And I think that's what a lot of this conversation has been about with technology is there are other uses of time that technology takes. And those things have to be quieted for us to develop this space. And in that space, you get some really good, you get some really good conversations. And we, we have an, you know, an older daughter that moved home. It sends messages to your kids about their value, their priority. And I really think that that intimate, that to me is intimacy. That is building a space where I'm listened to. I'm My parents are hearing about, you know, these things. And I think, man, we would have never had that kind of conversation with our college age daughter in front of all of our family if when they were little, we weren't sitting around a dinner table talking about the little boy that was mean to the kids on the playground or the, you know, and just kind of reinforcing those kinds of that open space. And I think it's, that's a really important part of this. And I think that gives kids identity. And I think identity is a piece of, of shaping this as well. Um, anything else y'all want to say on that? We, we could jump into identity. We can also talk about some of the other challenges. I think identity is a massive piece of that. And I, I, you know, we want our kids to know who they are and to know where they come from yeah. and to know whose they are. Um, yeah. And I think those are massive identity building blocks, but society really is trying to shape the identity in a different direction. And that's an identity yeah. um, that is, you know, cordoned off into a particular political identity or a type right. of consumptive identity. Um, and we really do, we try to raise and we want to raise kids that are different and we won't be perfect. Yeah. We aren't perfect, but we are constantly saying like, remember who you are. Remember where you came from. Remember who you are. Yeah. Um, because for us, like all of these issues can, can really be uh, headed off through identity conversations. I, I agree. I think, that's good. Yeah. I, I think a key piece of that as well, uh, identity and community go hand in hand. And being plugged mm -hmm. into a group of people that help define your identity rather than um, taking that identity from just the world, which to Seth's point is absolutely just go ahead, man, do what you want, play games all day, check out these pictures, yeah. do it all. And, and so being able to point to others in, in our world that, that live by the same standards is key. I know for right. me, my, my exposures to, uh, pornography happened pretty young and they came through peers. It wasn't as if like I, we did, I didn't have the internet when I was the age I was exposed to pornography. Uh, and so that kind of stuff happened through friends from school, right. things like that. And so knowing that I've built uh, and put my children in a place where the community around them encourages them to hold that same standard rather than putting them in a place where it's just like, Hey, You've got to go not do literally all the stuff that your friends are doing. That That's setting them up for success in a way that, that I'm so glad to be able to do with a school like PRISM or with our, with our church community as well, 
because that's not something I was placed into. Uh, it, my parents were doing the best they could, uh, but they, it just wasn't a, a thing yeah. that they could build or, or knew to build. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think I think that's key. Um, I would add to that is you know I, I want to kind of jump back a little bit, Misty, if I could, around like the, the yeah. talking about the dinner table, and we do that same thing as well. Uh, try to eat together as much as we can, and it's like a platform for for uh, us to deal with issues and and to discuss different things. But you know, when you you may have kids that with different age groups, right? Um, and so as we're discussing these things, I think it's it's key as well to find key moments and technology is is like a killer of intimacy right and and having these conversations and it's so easy yeah. to um after dinner right we just ate we're kind of ready to relax a little bit and go kick on the tv but being conscious and deliberate uh and strategic enough to to then maybe go on a walk right where everybody's walking together mm-hmm. and you might kind of back, walk back with your boys or that uh, that child that's a little older where you can have that kind of one-on-one conversation and discuss deeper yeah. things, right? Um, and let them express that thing because sometimes they can't express all of that at the dinner table, depending on the age groups. And so I, I think it's key to, to, to take every opportunity, be vigilant, uh, and take every opportunity to start having those discussions. I know, you know, saying, hey, come ride with me to the store. You know, one kid, because I know one thing that yeah. I've, I've had to 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 get over, if you will, is to thinking I need to take both of my boys because they're both 15. Oh, actually, one is 14. One just turned 15 to take them both with me to the store at once. And, you know, kind of like I'm leaving the other one out. But really, you're building strategic. Right. They're both they're All the kids yeah. are different. And you, you want to build relationship and intimacy with all of them. So knowing that I can take this kid and take them with me build some stuff there yeah. and, you know, and kind of alternate. So I think that's key as well when discussing building intimacy in the kids. Yeah. I think those are such great examples because you're not talking about stuff that you don't do anyway. It's not like this is radically difficult. Right. I mean, this is, it, it is, I, I do think it is difficult, but I think it's simple. Uh, I think it's, um, I think it's, it, it is hard to not, because we have busy days and we get in our car and we kind of want to just, shut everything out, turn on the podcast, turn on music to not shut out yourself. And I think that that's the real story of technology is that it it actually requires discipline on the part of parents to shut out the noises yourself. So I think what you were talking about, TV, TV is a killer of intimacy and, and identity. I'm actually, I, I don't know if everyone knows this, I'm working on a, a dissertation right now. And one of the things, and it's on community and educational outcomes. And one of the big things, like the civic the destruction of civic life in America came when the TV came in and I, I can't get away from it. It's in every piece of research I look at because I'm looking at community strength and people are just choosing to watch TV instead of engage in civic life. And it's, it's, it's kind of been mind boggling to me. It wasn't what I planned to study, uh, but I, it's everywhere. Every article I look at, it becomes this big factor. And I, so I think we've got to watch that. I think that there's a lot of, um, and I know, Ty, on other podcasts, you've kind of alluded to this before, but there's a lot of stuff out there, not TV related, but uh, it could be on TV. It could be on YouTube videos. It's on Facebook, like political stuff. And I think that that kind of pulls at our boys in a really unique way. You got any insight on that first, Ty? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's pretty well known that young men are uh, prone to, to being a little more chaotic, Um 
you know, uh, and, and it's that testosterone. Risk taking, I think is what the professionals call it. Risk taking. <laughs> um, and they, they're enabled to do that by the, by the internet and they're encouraged. There's an anonymity given to them on the internet. Um, it's, it's the same way that yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm real deliberate. We've got Kindles for our, our, our kids and I'm real deliberate about trying to monitor what books they have access to. You know, when we, when you think about censorship back in the old day, they would censor books because books were knowledge. Well, now you have unlimited books times yeah. a, a million, like just exponential amount of knowledge and access and all of this stuff. And so you, you mix that volatile risk-taking nature of young men with anonymity and it allows for that to be amplified. And so we see yeah. these fringe groups, these political movements being able to play in that space in a way because they can find it. it and it does. It comes back to community as well. You have a crazy thought. And identity. Yeah. You, have, you have a crazy thought that's kind of driven by your, your pre-adolescent, no uh, prefrontal lobe, I believe is. is how prefrontal yeah. code. Prefrontal that, 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 that mixed with your testosterone, mixed with anonymity and power, uh, you, yeah. you you have these crazy thoughts, and then you go somewhere and you find out that someone else thinks the same thing, or they put a thought in your brain and you agree with it, and maybe you hadn't thought of that before, maybe you hadn't seen things that way before, and it allows for these echo chambers of of uh, yeah. just incorrect things that um, that can motivate. Uh, and give power it's it's very similar to why young men are prone to gangs and gang violence or were pre-internet yeah. now they're now they're yeah. on gangs and like message boards and 4chan and things like that where they can go and they connect and have these fringe thoughts and they can go take action in digital ways you know what would have been gang wars before now they'll go attack a social media site or a politician or something online and they can feel powerful because they're they have the ability to take action in a digital space and still do that with anonymity. You don't have to hide from the police like you would have back in the day because you're doing something in your small town. You do something across the country using an internet or an app that yeah. empowers you to take action. And so it just amplifies all of that in a way that, that's being made manifest now with you see the, the young man who went uh, and uh, was uh, – the young man in Minnesota. In Kenosha. Yeah. Um, and also the, yeah, the young man. The militia guys. The older man you've got QAnon. Mm -hmm. You've got all kinds of stuff going on that uh, plays to the worst of young men who need community and uh, lack discipline. And it just provides that tinderbox. It's why young unemployed men are the kind of, if you are in a, in a country that has a lot of that, un, young unemployed men, there's going to be protests, there's going to be riots, there's going to be violence. Mm -hmm. And it's that same yeah. thing, but in a digital space that we're dealing with now. Yeah, and I think that identity is a big key inside of that. I don't. I think it's important that we don't underestimate those challenges. I think pornography is this thing that's in your face that parents talk to me about a lot. I think that uh, this stuff seems really far away, won't happen to my kid. And it's the kind of stuff that will straight up happen to your kid uh, if you're not careful. And you've got to build intimacy where there's space for kids to talk about new ideas that are coming across their mind that are, and you've got to build identity. Cause I think identity at the end of the day is your, your place for all this. One of the things that we talk to our, our boys about is you have to fight for your purity. 
we can't have that fight for you. This is a fight that you have. And we are, and that's, that's one of the things that we, we really do talk to our boys about, about just that personal fight they have to exert. And I think that that inside of saying that we're saying you're going to be a fighter. <laughs> you're going to be, you, you're going to be uh, someone who's strong. You're a man of strength. You're a man who can resist these things. You're a man who can deal with these things. And it doesn't mean that they won't encounter it. It doesn't mean that they won't mess up, but it does mean that they'll have this sense of this is who I am. And I always, t- I always tell people, I think our culture is so afraid of putting boundaries on our kids. There's this huge fear that will stifle them. And that is just crazy. I mean, and I think when you look at a lot of what we're seeing in the world, a lot of this stems from it. We can talk about this for hours, but it stems from this, this longstanding societal trend that says we will not put boundaries on people. Everything they think is good. Everything that our kids think is, is correct. And therefore, and we don't want to stifle them. We want them to fully express who they are. And I don't think parents would straight up say that, but that is how we live in this, in this particular society. And I think it's super important that we understand if you don't put boundaries on your kids, they will have no identity. Those boundaries form a big fat line around them that says, this is who you are. And that line is what gives them strength. And you would make far less of a mistake by making that line narrow when they're little. <laughs> that is far. That is something that can be undone. You can broaden the boundaries. It's really hard to rein them in when you've not put anything and you're basically communicating to your child. There's no definition on your life and you've got to communicate. And we just say little things like Newcombs don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other people may do that. Newcombs don't lie. Like that's sort of that Clay always tells the kids, hey, Newcombs don't lie. And he'll say that when they're little kids and they're lying straight to his face. (laughs) Certainly not stifling the activity, but just reinforcing that's actually not who we are. Seth, you look like you got something to say. Well, when you're, when you're talking about, um, there'll be identity less. I mean, that, that actually made me think of, um, the Netflix documentary, the social dilemma, which we have all watched as a family together. Um, I don't know if that's that's TV, so I don't know if that's good. <laughs> we did watch it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but as you watch sort of the drama that's in that unfold, and as you look and listen to the researchers there, um, uh, and, and they're kind of addressing this very thing that you talked about, which is we, we've lived in a society now with like open borders. Everyone's, you know, whatever you want to do is fine. The absence of truth is, you know, it's your truth, it's my truth, it's all of our different varying truths. And what that ends up doing, particularly in the social media age, is it's not that the children or the, the kids or the user, uh, even the adult, has a lack of identity, but it's that that identity ends up getting shaped by another identity group, right? You end up getting pulled into another identity group. And oftentimes right. it's a very unhealthy identity group. And right. it's an identity group sometimes that lacks any foundation of truth at all. Um, or very little foundation and truth as Ty kind of alluded to QAnon. And, you know, I've talked to my boys about the Proud Boys um, and these these groups that sort of use nuggets of the truth to shape an identity that's actually fundamentally destructive. Right. Right. And one of the things that I thought was so interesting about that documentary is that um, at the end, um, these sort of architects of the modern Internet have said, we have to get back to a foundation of truth. Um, now, they're not saying what that truth is necessarily, but it's all the same thing. I think that we would all say, right. which is we have to get back to a foundation of truth. We have to shape identity in a foundation of truth. We have to create intimacy 
mm-hmm. um, in, in this place of truth so that our kids know who they are and whose they are. Um, you know, Newcombs don't lie. That's not a guilt or shame statement, right? It's a, it's a statement of, of truth about what their identity is, um, as opposed to what the world would try to shape their identity into. So um, I think for us, like, like, I do think it constantly comes back to this conversation about who you are. What is your identity? Are you going to allow your identity to be shaped by social media or pornography sites or news sites or the, the polarities even in our 24-hour news cycle? Or are you going to uh, allow your identity to be shaped by a higher truth? Yeah, if I can jump in, yeah. Misty, uh, in regard to just, I'm thinking about just challenging the way our kids think, right? You know, as we sit down and, you know, even music can do that, right? You you have these different right. different social media things that they can start chatting with people and associate with different groups, but music yeah. does the same thing. Games, Games yeah. right? They, they shape mm-hmm. our identity, so their identity. So, you know, challenging those when we're watching a movie, right? Uh, talking about that. Okay, what what is that? Speaking to the TV, like, that's wrong. And then making sure yeah. you... you Touch that, and then after you watch the movie, after the song, right? I know uh, we've done several times is have them print out the lyrics of a song and go over the lyrics, yeah, right? And and talk about what does that mean? How does this match up with the values that we're supposed to right. be expressing? And and uh, challenge their thoughts because if we don't challenge their thoughts, then they continue to think those things and they think they're okay because mm-hmm. nobody else is challenging them when they're on the internet having yeah. those conversations, right? And I think yeah. that's that's a good. Uh, a way to use the the tools, right, to monitor the, the computers and things like that, because you can see what's being searched. Like they can hear something on TV or hear something on a song and go search that thing. Right. But it but I can see with the tool monitoring tools, I can see what they search. So therefore, that's a discussion. Right. We can have a discussion. Right. You know, so. Yeah. So the monitoring tools, and I think let's get to that. The monitoring tools are are just that they're a tool. They're going to be a thing that either blocks things from ever getting to your voice or they're the thing that uh, opens up opportunity. And that's how we have to look at these things. Your kids are going to be hit with this stuff. You don't want to come in guns a blazing. Uh, and there's consequences. Like we, I mean, we have super high standards. And so, so there's consequences when you, when you seek out stuff, there's going to be consequences and there have to be right. at the same time. You also want to provide that, that that's, you know, response one, Hey, this was against the standards that we've declared in our home. So there's response one and there have to be consequences for that. Response two is, let me help you fight. Let me help you. Let me help you deal with this. And I think that that's one thing I want parents to understand. I don't, I, I don't, I think that our young men can grow up and be, you know, have a, a, a righteous and just standard and, and pursue purity. I, I have faith for that. I don't know that they're going to escape fully having any interactions with all of these things. I'll talk to parents from of all different ages. And there's this belief that they're somehow permanently scarred. If they, if they make a mistake, if they see pornography, there's not really a lot of science to back that up. That's not really, that's, and and even in terms of like faith, I, I mean, we have, we serve a redemptive God. And so there's, there's not like, there's not a level. I want people to understand 
that that's not the way it works. There's redemption. There's that's the way the system works. It's redemptive. And so none of these things are insurmountable. Do you need to get a hold on it? Yes. Do you need to especially be vigilant to block things with your young kids? Absolutely. And and older kids as well. But your older kids, you you want opportunities like this to come up where you can sit down and talk to them about it. And these these blockers and these things like that, if you see a search you go talk to your kid about that. That is the, the blocker is not a substitute for everything else. The blocker is a tool to initiate a conversation. So um, I think that with our young kids, we, and I've talked to a lot of people who block, we have bark at the school. And so it, it kind of monitors things throughout the day. And a lot of families have subscribed to bark premium. You have to do the work of signing up Instagram accounts, signing up Facebook accounts, linking it to your computer. What other tools do you guys use for that kind of stuff? I know I I, I use uh, Custodio uh, for, for okay. my boys, and um, it, it's a good it's a good tool um, because you can turn on and off apps. So I can turn on YouTube and turn off YouTube. I can you know whatever app they have, Spotify, Instagram. You can kind of turn those things off, and it alerts you when they're when they're using something for the first time. It will alert you that hey they they they're using this now. Yeah, that's a little bit tough. So. Any other good tools out there, guys? We use Bark and um, Covenant Eyes, uh, both, which are d- different enough that they're worth both checking out. Uh, Covenant Eyes is really, it really is more related to porn use. And um, it's not supposed to block internet access, although we've had some issues with virtual learning and using it at the same time, which is a real problem um, and yeah. needs to be fixed. So send this to them too. Um, I'll do it. Uh, but it blocks less and reports more, which is good for conversations with the older kids. The other um, thing that we use in our house is Amber.wife. Um, so my wife, Amber, will straight up walk into a room when any person is on their phone and say, hey, give me your phone. Let me look at it. Um, or yeah. she'll um, scroll through text messages, um, not necessarily get into the text messages, um, maintain some privacy, but just to see like, we have we have standards around how boys and girls text. And are you texting with yeah. girls one on one? If you are, why? Why haven't you asked? I mean, and so so Amber is really vigilant, and and I try to be vigilant. She just happens to be more vigilant um, about really yeah. checking out with the boys. There is no substitute for a good set of mom eyes. Uh, they really, and that's what we tell because with virtual learning, a lot of people are sending their kids to their bedrooms to to do class. And it's hard not to. And we just told our kids, you know what, let's just do this out in the open. And so uh, sometimes they have to go on the porch. Sometimes they have to go like we've had to make some, uh, you know, modifications because the bedroom is a lot more. Um, it's just why? Why have it there? Right. And and there's some good reasons just in terms of distraction. That's why I don't have headphones today because all my kids have headphones. Uh, they've take, They've confiscated them all. But I think that that's there's there's just too much risk in that and it's too private and we would never put computers and say hey kid here's a computer go sit in your bedroom and doodle alone for a long time and there's not a teacher there to watch them and so uh you know we're when you're virtual learning i really encourage people do it out in the open i i mean it has built i hear so much from parents uh, who are listening in on teachers classes who are like hey that thing the teacher said interesting i mean it's been i think it's been it's made the, the school experience a lot more communal um for for families and there's a lot more it gives a lot of good conversations to to bounce off of but i think that's you got to have something to block the things that are sought out and the things that are not sought out and uh i think that for the things that are sought out 
you got to have space in your home where kids don't feel like privacy from wrong doing is a, an enumerated ride. <laughs> We've given you a tool. It's like giving your kid a car and car keys. You're not going to just say, yeah, drive it wherever. And, and this thing that we've given all of our kids in phones and computers is far more dangerous than a car. I mean, that's just the truth. It's far more dangerous than a car and far more likely that they're going to mess up with it than that, than that they'll have a, a car accident. So let's put some boundaries on that and have an expectation. Where are you going with this? What are you doing with this? Who are you talking to? What kind of conversations are you having? These are, these are reasonable questions for parents to ask. And again, uh, you know, as they get older, you have to give some of that up. Like we've got a kid in college and you don't want it to be a, a day where it's like, well, we read your text yesterday, but here's a car, a house, keys. <laughs> we no longer have any idea what you're doing. You want that to be a gradual drop off. But uh, so gradually they should be, as they prove responsible, should be given more freedom, but not till they prove responsible with it. I've got one more thing. What age should you have this talk with your kids is a common question I get asked. And I think you really have to gauge what they know. And I have heard I have heard situations where the actual talk with parents, even with older teenagers, like a, not older, but younger teenagers, 14, um, they hadn't heard of these things. The parents did talk to them about it. Then the, the child went out and sought it out and hadn't before. I didn't even know it existed. And so I, I've heard enough of that to think, okay, so let's talk about how we do this smartly. And my suggestion is ask a lot of questions. What have you seen? What do you know? Just make this an annual conversation. <laughs> what have you seen? What do you know? Like what what are the kids at school talking about? Do you yeah. do guys at school yeah. do things? No, sorry. Go yes. ahead, Mark. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that's that's the key is to ask the questions, you know, which we do at home. It's like, what do you guys talk about? Yeah. You know, what kind of conversations are you having? What kind of music do are do they listen to? I mean, you know, what what's going on? That way you can gauge, okay, this is what they've kind of seen or heard. What kind of music do you listen to? I mean, you know, uh, that type of stuff. And, yeah. and you can gauge those conversations off of that. Yeah, I think that's good. That's good. Uh, let them be the guide, but don't not have the conversation. Right. Keep having the conversation and have it every year until they hear. And and as they get older, just say, hey, has anyone ever said anything about this? Or has anyone ever, have you ever heard of that? So it's a time for vigilance for parents. It's not a time to be too tired. It's not a time to be, uh, yeah, it's not a time to be laid back. And it is definitely a thing where we have to check ourselves first. I think that's the theme of the whole technology sessions has been parents are going to have to be vigilant. Parents are going to have to take on some responsibility and, uh, we're going to have to start with us and then go to our kids. But there's hope and there's a future and we're part of a community where everybody's holding the same standards. And so for that, I'm super grateful and I'm grateful that we can have conversations like this and that my sons and my daughters are being raised in an environment. It, it's going to take all of us holding the standard to give that sense of that reinforcement. This is normal. This is how normal people live. <laughs> they don't engage in this stuff. So thanks guys for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, until next week, this is the Prison Podcast. This podcast is a production of Prism Education Center. You can subscribe to this podcast through any platform you access quality podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Find out more about Prism Education Center by visiting our website at www.prismeducationcenter.org.